Yes, sir. 
I love to tell the story 
Jesus and his love. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's turn over to 201. More about Jesus would I know. 201. More about Jesus would I know. More of his grace to others show. More of his saving fullness see. More of his love who died for me. More, more about Jesus. More, more about Jesus. More of his saving fullness More of his love who died for me. More about Jesus, let me learn. More of his holy will discern. Spirit of God, my teacher be. Knowing the things of Christ to me. More, more about Jesus. More, more about Jesus. More of his saving fullness be. More of his love who died for me. More about Jesus in his word. Holy communion with my Lord. Hearing his voice in every line, making each faithful saying mine. More, more about Jesus, more, more about Jesus, more of his saving fullness be, more of his love who died for me. More about Jesus on his throne, Riches and glory all his own. More of his kingdom sure increase. More of his coming prince of peace. More, more about Jesus. More, more about Jesus. More of his saving fullness More of his love who died for me. Amen. Let's turn over to one more. Let's turn over to 249. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. 249. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. Day I will never forget. After I've wandered in darkness away, Jesus, my Savior, I met. Oh, what a tender Justified fully through Calvary's love. Oh, what a standing is 
so glad I'm saved this morning. Aren't you glad you're saved? Praise the Lord. Take your Bible. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to pick up where we left off last week, talking about the rapture of the church. Amen. Such a good subject to talk on. I really can't think of anything any better to talk about for his church. Amen. That gets me excited when I talk on this subject because this is going to happen, folks, and it could happen soon. It could happen before I'm done talking. We might never get to eat the food that's back there in the back. That wouldn't make me sad because we're going to heaven. There'd be better food there. Amen? I I don't ever worry about that. That's one thing I'm not worried about. Anything that I see there is going to be better than anything we had here. So I don't worry about anything getting, you know, some people do. They worry about, well, when I get to heaven, reckon it'll be like it was here. Well, you know, I, I'm a married couple say, well, I wonder if you'll love me like you do here, or I'll love you, or I'll know you, or all these things. Look, every anything that you experience here is just a, a, a speck of what you're going to see there. And and I and look forward to heaven. Don't dread heaven. Don't ever think, well, I'm not ready to go. Because, listen, a, a moment in heaven, a moment in heaven will be better than a lifetime down here. Amen. Take your Bible. Look at it in 1 Thessalonians 4. Verses 13 through 18. I'm going to try my best to hurry, but I've got a little bit of preach, and I've got not a lot of clock. So I'm going to have to finish this morning, so y'all just bear with me. I'll try not to make it any longer than we have to, and the food's not going to run off, I promise. Miss Bonnie will keep it warm back there. All right, let's read. First Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another 
with these words. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Father, for your precious, uh, Lord, word that tells us that we're going home. Lord, what a blessing it is to know you're, you've not left us down here, and, Lord, that you, you're not going to make us face the wrath. Lord, I'm thankful that you're coming to take your church home. Lord, you're coming to receive your bride into heaven to be married. Lord, I'm thankful to, today to be a part of that bride. I'm thankful today that my sins are under the blood and I have a home waiting on me. And, Lord, it's just a matter of time before you take us home to be with you. Lord, I want you to help me preach this morning. Help me, Lord, to uh, make it real. Father, I pray, and I know it is real, but help us to see it this morning as clearly as we all. Father, I just pray, Lord, your hand be upon me. Holy Ghost of God, stir me up. Pour me out this morning for your honor and glory. And we want to honor Jesus above all. Lord, give him all the glory this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. So last week we talked, we started off talking about, uh, we started talking about the, that, uh, that those believers, they were, they were concerned about what was going to happen to their, to their loved ones that had died. And, uh, and they, they wanted to know if, if they were going to be in the resurrection with them. And that's kind of what we got kicked off on last week. And we talked about that for just a little bit. It didn't seem like we kind of got started before we got we run out of time. So I'm going to get into the message so we don't do that again. So this morning, we're, going, we're looking at verses 15 through 18 and finishing up this passage. And first thing we want to look at is the time of the resurrection. Uh, verse 15 talks about that. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, which we which are, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. So Paul is answering the question that they had, their main question. They didn't ask Paul, is the Lord coming? They knew he was coming. They didn't say, when will we be with the Lord? They believed they were going to be with the Lord. But their question was, what's going to happen to our loved ones that have died already? Because some of them had died. Some of them had died a martyr's death. They died for their faith. Paul had been gone now for maybe a few months uh, since he'd been down there. And since he'd been gone, several, of, I don't know how many, but some of the believers had died in, in just a few months. You know, that ought to remind us how uncertain life is, that you don't ever know when your time has come. It's gonna, it, it could happen to any of us. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. We see people die at all ages all the time. And some of them in good health, some of them in bad health. Uh, we don't know how much time God's going to give us to serve him down here. That's really the long and the short of it. And those in the Thessalonican church, who had already died in Christ are illustrations of the uncertainty. Don't know, again, how much time we've got. So as we talked about in Sunday school this morning, we'll be living every single day in such a way that if today was our last day on earth, we would have spent it in God's will, trying to please him and trying to work for him and do what we can to to, uh, to build his kingdom. And uh, so the question had also been asked, when are the dead going to be raised? So Paul gives us the answer here in verse 16 about the dead and about the living in verse 17. In verse 16, he said, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So there's the first answer, the dead in Christ, shall rise first. Secondly, he said, then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together 
with, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, both groups here are going to be caught up together. The, actual, the, the Greek word is harpazo, which, uh, where we get the word harpoon. Uh, somebody shoots a harpoon into a, into a fish out in a boat. That harpoon shoots out, but then it brings it back in. And that's, and that's exactly the, the, the idea with Jesus coming down and then taking us back, a harpoon, harpazo. So anyway, that, that, that idea of being caught up together, uh, that's what we're talking about. And, the, and this passage is teaching that when Christ comes back, he's going to come back into the, to the second heaven or the atmospheric heaven. And, uh, and when that and the other things that are pictured here occur, Christians who have died before, whose bodies are in the grave, they're going to be resurrected. Their bodies are going to be changed into resurrection bodies, and they're going to meet the Lord in the air. That's what the Bible is telling us. And it says all of this is going to take place in a split second. And the, the actual word is a moment in a twinkling of an eye. And, and twinkling, I guess it's referring to the blink of an eye. The twinkling of an eye, not necessarily the time it takes light to reflect, reflect off an eye, but the blink of an eye, which is the fastest movement a human can make, is the blink of an eye. And I guess that's why God used that to show us that. But, uh, but it's going to take place in a split second. I mean, faster than you can think about it. Boom, it's happened. And then all of a sudden, you know, all these, all these bodies are coming up out of the grave, and in a split second, that's going to take place in the living Christians that are still here. We're going to be changed from this body of flesh into an imperishable, resurrected, immortal, incorruptible body like the Lord Jesus Christ has. Now, that, there's a companion passage to this in, uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 15, verses 50 through 53. And just like the one we're reading, like it teaches about the dead in Christ, the, the 1 Corinthians passage teaches also about the translation of the living saints. Well, 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 53 says, Now this, we, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Amen. That's a good verse to hang up over your nursery. Bassinet, too, by the way. We shall all be changed. Amen. But in a moment, the Bible says, in the twinkling of an eye, that word moment comes from the word where we get our word Adam. The smallest thing there is, okay? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorrupt, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So here, Paul's teaching the order of the resurrection of Christians very plainly. Christians who've died will be resurrected just a moment before the rapture of the living saints. Again, the twinkling of an eye. Those rising from the grave and living believers on the earth will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, in the twinkling of an eye. When Christ comes, when he comes, he's going to take us to heaven. and he, Where he's gone already and prepared us that place in the Father's house that we talked about in John 14, 1 through 3. We mentioned last week 
Again, it only took him six days to make all of this. But he's been gone 2,000 years preparing. And he said, I go to prepare a place. That's what he said when he left, right? So he went to prepare that place. And if he's, you know, I just imagine all the touches that God has put on heaven. You know, and this ain't in my message, but I just want to think about it for just a second. I think about how much God knows me and you. He knows every thought we have. He knows every detail about us. He knows He knows every hair on our head. He knows they're numbered, the Bible says. You know, he knows our thoughts are far off, the Bible says. So if God knows, I mean, he created us. He made us. He knows every feeling, every thought, every like, every dislike. Don't you know he has made your mansion exactly the way you want it? Don't you know he's designed it with you in mind? Every detail down to the last detail to your liking, I guarantee you when you walk in and God shows you your mansion, you the, the word overwhelmed won't even cut it. It's going to blow your mind. You're going to think, wow, Lord, you really know me. You really know me. I, I, I'm just, I, I'm, you know, the Bible says, I have not seen nor ear heard Neither hath entered into the hearts of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. And I don't think that's just the mansion the Bible's referring to there. I think it's the whole experience of heaven, and I think you'll never get one moment. You'll ever think, whew, I wish we could do something else. I don't think that will ever enter your mind. I think it will be excitement from the moment you get there for all eternity. But as soon as the Lord comes, as soon as the Lord comes and takes the church out. We're going to be in glory. But down here, once we're gone, this great tribulation is going to rage. And, you know, just to show how gracious God is, even during that seven-year period when all those awful things are taking place, God graciously is going to save a bunch of Jews, and he's going to save some Gentiles. I'm so thankful that God that God is in the saving business, and even in the midst of his wrath, he'll save those that will believe on Christ are going to be martyred during that time. A lot of people are going to die. And the finale is going to come when Christ returns in power and glory with the angels and with the church from heaven to set up his righteous kingdom on the earth. But that's going to take place seven years after this event we're talking about this morning. Verse 16 and 17 again. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. That verse says that he'll descend from heaven with a shout. That shout is a, is a cry of command. It's, it's not a, it, 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 it's like a, a, like, a, a, like a man on a battlefield shouting, charge! It's a, a cry of authority. Uh, forward, march! I mean, we're going forward. God is coming. It's not tentative. It'll be very definite and, 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 and very, very powerful when he speaks it. You want to see an example of Christ's shout of command? If you, if, if you think back to in John eleven forty three, Jesus has walked from, has walked, uh, he's, he's walked to Bethany, and he's got there to the tomb of Lazarus. And Jesus walks and stands in front of the grave. And what does he say in a loud voice? Lazarus, come forth. What happened? Lazarus walked out of the grave, didn't he? That's the power and the sovereignty of Christ's command. Somebody, some people have said, well, if, if Jesus had just said, 
come forth. Everybody in the graveyard would have come out. Amen. He was specific for that reason. Uh, you know, he has that kind of authority. He has that kind of sovereignty. And I know Lazarus was resurrected. He was not resurrected in the way that we will be. He had a, he was restored to his mortal body. But, you know, after a while he got old and, and, and he had to die a natural death uh, and went right back to the tomb. But, folks, we're going to be resurrected like Jesus. Amen. We're not going to be resurrected like Lazarus. We're going to be resurrected like Jesus, and we're going to have a resurrection body just like Jesus' body, which ain't never going to wear out. It won't ever be subject to death, disease, or pain. It'll last for all of eternity. It won't ever get old. And it'll be suited for you to stand in the glorious presence of God himself. Can you imagine that? This body you've got right now couldn't handle it. Drop dead in his presence. But the body you're going to have will be suited to stand in his presence. This new glorified body that we're going to have is described in 1 Corinthians 15:53. It says this mortal shall put on immortality. Think on that just a second. You're going to be immortal someday. The Bible tells us there's going to be the voice of the archangel there. That's, that's, that's Michael, the archangel. The Bible talks about him in Daniel 12, 1, and in Jude chapter 9, uh, Jude verse 9, rather. Uh, he's the special protector of Israel, and he's going to give a shout too. The Bible says that, that there's going to be a shout and the voice of the archangel and the voice of the archangel. So there's going to be two voices there, and, and Michael's going to give a shout. And the Bible doesn't explain why Michael's going to give a shout or why he's included in this. But, you know, there's been, a, there's been a great battle going on ever since the garden. There's been a battle between, between Michael and the devil, and, and he wrestled with the, with the devil over the body of Moses. And, and, and he's going to continue to battle until the end with, with the devil. But uh, the scriptures do tell us that there's a battle going on. And, uh, again, it started in that garden. And it's a battle against the forces of darkness. It's against the forces of Satan and the devils that are associated with the devil. And that's why Paul tells us in Ephesians 6.12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. That's why Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 that we need to pray, come to God for protection. That's why we need to go to God for care, for guidance why we need to put on the whole armor of God because there is that battle going on. Another expression in this passage is the trump of God. Uh, this is the, the, the third great sound that's going to accompany the Lord's coming and signal his coming. But you know there's trumpets all through Scripture. In the Old Testament, trumpets were sounded at the begin, uh, beginning of every month tells us that in Numbers, chapter 10, verse 10. And at the Feast of Trumpets on the first day of the month, and Leviticus 23 tells us that in Numbers 29. And on countless other occasions, they blew trumpets. And when they when they were getting in their marching order, when Israel moved around in the wilderness, they blew trumpets. In the Scripture, a trumpet is a sign of assembling. It's a sign of going forward taking a new step, revealed before trumpets. Uh, trumpets, uh, they herald those things. 
And the sound of a trumpet here, it's like the sounding of a trumpet to an army. The call, the call is to march forward. Christ is coming. See. So in First Thessalonians 4.16, there's a shout. There's a voice of the archangel. And there's the trumpet of God that blows. And these are three separate things. But they all picture one event. The coming of Christ for his church. The rapture of all living believers. And the resurrection of the dead from the earth to heaven. Now, let me. I want to just address this real quick because there, there's confusion by a lot of people, and I've, and I've got some good friends who are confused about these things. But there's a trumpet that blows in Matthew 24, and uh, I'll try to straighten this out this morning in case somebody might be confused about it or, or have a question about it. Matthew 24 and verse 31, this is in the Olivet Discourse where Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he said in chapter 24 and verse 31, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Okay? Now, let's compare that to 1 Corinthians 15, 52. Let me read it. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trump, the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. The similarity between these two passages, since in both there's a blowing of a trumpet that's associated with gathering of the Lord's people, but there are some differences that we need to look at. The subjects are different. In 1 Corinthians 15, 52, the reference is to the Lord's church. And there in Matthew 24, 31, the Olivet Discourse, it's talking about Jewish believers during the Great Tribulation. And the circumstances are different. In Matthew 24, 31, the trumpet is connected with the raising of the believing dead. Uh, I'm sorry, I got, I got that backwards. Uh, in First in Corinthians 15, 52, the trumpet's connect, connected with the raising of the believing dead. And there, there's no... No, I got that backwards again. <laughs> Let me back up and start over again. All right, Matthew twenty four thirty one. Let's read that one again. The angels with the great sound of the trumpet, they shall gather together his elect. So everybody there is believing, and they're and they're alive. They're not they're not dead yet. So it's connected with raising the believing that are alive, and there's no mention of a resurrection, but it's it's gathering the elect who've been scattered all over the earth. So that's that's Matthew twenty four. It's not talking about a resurrection, but in 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 First Corinthians fifteen fifty two, we're talking about a resurrection of the dead. So again, believing being taken out versus the resurrection of the dead. There's two different things there. The result is different. So here, blowing of the trumpet results with the uniting of the raised dead with the living as one body as one body to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And there the elect are the living believers who are regathered from all over the earth at the command of their Lord who returns to the Lord, to the earth. So 1 Corinthians chapter 4 continues with another tremendous revelation. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So just one more time to clear that up. 1 Corinthians 15, 52, verses Matthew 24, 31. The subject is different. 
in in First Corinthians, it's the church. In Matthew, it's the Jews in the tribulation. The circumstances are different. In First Corinthians, it's raising the dead. In Matthew 21, it's regathering the elect. In First Corinthians 15, the result is that they are united with the Lord in the air. And in Matthew 24, they're gathered together on earth. So if we want to find out where believers go after meeting Christ in the air, which we're going to do, then we can look at that passage in John 14, 1 through 3, where Jesus states plainly when he comes for his own, he's going to take us to the Father's house. That's where we're going. We're going home. We're going to stand in God's presence. We're going to be like Christ. Because we're told in 1 John 3, 2, that we will be perfectly holy. The Bible says, Beloved, now we are the sons of God. Right now we're saved. We're the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now think about that. We're going to be cleansed from every spot and stain because this body will be changed. We won't have a sinful body anymore. We'll be in a perfect body. And we'll be a beautiful bride for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we're going to be with him forever and ever. When I say beautiful, I don't mean like I'm going to look like a woman. I don't mean, Brother Dan, you're going to have beautiful long hair and, and, and you know, you're going to young-looking skin and all the way. you just look like No, you won't look like a woman. That's not what God means when he calls us a bride. No, but we're going to be united with him forevermore. We'll never be apart from him again. But that's what it means that we'll be a bride. Praise God for that. Amen. Another thing we want to notice is the expression, the dead in Christ, in verse 16. The dead in Christ. What does that mean? That's referring to those who trusted Christ as Savior in this life, and then they died while they were here. Their bodies, we put them in a grave. We stood over them. We, we mourned. We wept. We, 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 we read Scripture. But that's just their body there. Their spirits went to heaven, and they're dead in Christ. And it, it occurs more than 40 times in the New Testament, that expression, the dead in Christ. And in most of them, it refers to our position in Christ. Because when a person receives Jesus as their Savior, as the one who died for them on the cross and shed his blood for them and rose for them, God does something. He saves that person. So 1 Thessalonians 4 teaches that the dead in Christ shall be raised when Christ comes back. They're dead in Christ, but not all the dead will be raised on that day. It's just those in Christ, those who are saved. Because the scriptures make it plain that all the unsaved people, all of them laid out in the graveyard right now that, that died without Jesus, they're not going to be raised for a thousand years. After the, after the, they're not going to be raised. I mean, after the rapture, it'll be a thousand years before they come out of the grave. They won't come out until after the millennial reign of Christ. And after the millennial reign of Christ, all those unbelievers will come out. And they're going to be gathered to the great white throne judgment seat, which is in Revelation 20, 11 through 15. Again, the expression, the dead in Christ, that only refers to the church. Nobody else to the church. It doesn't refer to the Old Testament saints. It refers to the church. 1 Thessalonians 4, 18. Another with these words. The Thessalonians are having a hard time. And this awesome truth about the Lord's coming, the resurrection of their loved ones, 
and being gathered together with the Lord. And you talk about bringing them joy. I mean, they they were they were they were they were struggling. They hadn't been saved very long. People died. They don't know what's going to happen. And you talk about this. This lifted the spirits. Hey, we're not not only are we going with him, but they're coming too. Hallelujah. You know, I mean, you know, another good reason the Lord's coming for His church tribulation. We don't have to go through it. Praise God. And Paul, Paul didn't tell these Christians here, now if you have to endure, if you go and you endure the tribulation time, and if you survive all that awful stuff and avoid the mark of the beast, then you're going to see your loved ones in the end. He didn't tell them that. That wouldn't have been an encouragement to them at all. That's not a blessed hope. That'd be a blasted hope. It'd have holes shot in it. That wouldn't be worth anything. <clears throat> I mean, these people... These people were in trouble already. They were living in a tribulation time. I mean, everybody around them were, were pagans. Everybody around them looked down upon Christianity as as, as, a, as an invasion upon their society and, and as a, a weight upon their sin, and they wanted nothing to do with it. So, I mean, listen, they, 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 they were having trouble already, and for Paul to say, look, you're going to have to go through seven years of all his heart, that wouldn't be any hope at all. No, that might, that, they just that would just say, "Hey, you're going into worse trouble than you got right now." No, not a hope at all. He lifted their eyes up. He said, "Hey, look, look up. Your hope's coming. Christ is coming. Be encouraged. The Lord could come at any time and receive you to your, to Himself. Be encouraged. Listen, we ought to get excited about the rapture of the church. This is a precious truth to every believer. But I can tell you." How precious it is to you depends on how precious he is to you. If Christ doesn't mean much to you, the rapture ain't much on your mind. But you know what? If you're looking for him, if you're yearning for him, if your heart beats for him, heart aches for him, if he if he if he is your all in all, you can't wait to see. You know, are we really trusting the Lord like we should? Are we really looking for him like we should? Is our heart centered on the Lord Jesus Christ? Is our faith centered on the Lord Jesus Christ? Is our life centered on the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, some people are scared about him coming back. It scares them. They say, the Lord might come today. Well, are you ready? Well, you better get ready. If you're not ready, the only reason a person wouldn't be ready is if they're not saved. Amen? Now, I understand some people say, well, I haven't been living right. And what they mean by that is I don't have I don't have any works to stand before the judgment seat of Christ with. That if you're saved, you shouldn't fear the you shouldn't fear the rapture. If you're saved, you're long for it. Again, that's the believer's blessed hope. <clears throat> you know, for a believer to say, Well, I'm not ready, that's just that only comes out of ignorance or just not trusting God like they ought to. You think about all the joys we have to look forward to. Oh, we have so much to look forward to. Heaven is going to be such a beautiful place. And and, and think about this. All the problems you've got in your life right now, I bet they're gone. Never have to deal with them again. Nobody's ever going to hit you up for money again. Money will do you no good in heaven. Streets are made of gold. You pick up some pea gravel. And what are you going to do with it? Can't spend it nowhere. Hallelujah. But not only that, think about this. Think about think about people that we've sent on ahead. Think about family, friends, 
that have died in Jesus that are there waiting on us right now. They've already been enjoying and and, and and they can't wait to see our faces. And someday we're going to stroll into heaven and we're going to see them. And what joy we're going to have. What You know, we sang a song, there will be a happy meeting in heaven, I know. When we see the blessed loved ones we've known here below. I can't remember all the words. Some hilltops with hearts all aglow. That will be a glad reunion day. Glad day, a glorious day. Glad day, a wonderful day. There with all the holy angels and loved ones to stay. That will be a glad reunion day. I'm looking forward to it. I don't know about y'all, but I'm looking forward to Jesus coming back. Amen. All these troubles of life are going to be gone because Christ has given us the blessed hope of his return. Let's take it to heart. Let's live in the reality that Jesus is coming back for his church. And when we get down and we struggle and and life gets hard, let's lift up our eyes and let's remember that our redemption draweth nigh and let it give us refreshment for the rest of the journey. Because, folks, we're almost home. Amen? Amen. I hope and pray that that somebody's listening to me this morning uh, by way of the Internet that's not saved. I I know all of you in here, and by your testimony, you're all born-again believers. But there might be somebody listening to me this morning who says, I wish I was going on that rapture trip, but I don't know how to go. Let me just say to you this morning that all one must do is come to Christ realizing and understanding that they are a sinner. If the Spirit of God has been drawing you this morning and showing you that you're lost, all you need to do is come to Christ who has paid the price for your sins and come to him saying, Lord, I'm trusting you that you did everything that was necessary to take me to heaven. You paid the price for my sin. I believe you died, was buried, and you rose from the grave. And and the best I know how, I'm putting my trust and my faith in you to wash my sins away and take me to heaven. I wish somebody would do that this morning. I wish somebody would get saved and come to Christ forevermore. Friends, I, I want you to get excited about Jesus. I want you to get so excited about Jesus, you can't keep it to yourself that you just got to share it with somebody else because you don't want them to go to hell. That's my heart's desire, that you pray, God, lay somebody on my heart that I can share Jesus with. Would you do that? Would you pray that with me in just a few minutes? Would you pray, God, lay some soul on my heart that I can pray for them to be saved? And if you give me the opportunity, I'll tell them that Jesus died for them. I wonder if you do that this morning. Listen, if heaven's good and heaven's real and heaven's something you're looking forward to, why wouldn't you want somebody else to go there with you? Amen. Let's pray about it this morning. Let's stand together. We're going to have a song of invitation here in just a few minutes. And uh, we're going to go to the Lord here in just a second. I didn't pick one up. We're going to sing 345 in just a few minutes. 345, we're going to pray. Let's, 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 let's think about that person. Let's think about that person that we know that's lost. And maybe you don't know somebody coaching you that's lost. But the Spirit of God reminds you of God to lay somebody on your heart. If you say, I can not think of anybody, why don't you pray like God lay somebody on my heart? You know who needs to be saved. Put them on my heart's mind. And I'll pray for them faithfully. And as the opportunity presents itself, I'll share Jesus with them. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you so much 
that the rapture is going to take place. And, Lord, it won't be long. We're looking forward to Christ coming to take us out of this world. But, Lord, while we're still here, Lord, may we, may we be faithful believers. May we get in the yoke and work with Christ. Lord, we pray this morning, Lord, lay some soul upon our hearts. Lord, please burden us down about somebody's soul condition. Father, use us as we're supposed to be used, as soul winners for thee. Lord, may we be, may we be prayer warriors first and pray for the Spirit of God to stir in their heart and show them their need for Jesus. Lord God, please make us ever so uh, concerned and, and, and aware of, of soul consciousness. Aware of the needs of others around us, God. Please, Lord, help us to realize every single person we see every day is going to spend eternity in either heaven or hell. Lord, please make us wary about others' soul condition. Father, I pray for that person right now. Lord, I pray for the one that's on the mind and the heart of, of those under the sound of my voice. And I pray for them to be under condition. I pray for them to be restless and, Lord, unable to rest because of their sinful condition. Father, that they might come to Christ and be saved. Father, please help us to be of use to you while we're here. Lord, bless the invitation. Bless each one now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Number 345. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in
And I'm going to tell you something. I see God stirring in some of my kids' lives, and I'm so excited to see God working. I'm going to tell you, prayer works. Join me in praying for prodigals because everybody's got them. Everybody's got them in their families. And there's so many claim to have trusted Christ as children. And we look at them now and we say, did they really get saved? Let's pray for those young people. They're out there in this world, and you know, and many of them don't even make it to church. And all day long, all week long, they're just hit, bombarded with the devil's information all the time. We need to pray for them. Let's, let's be prayer warriors for one another, and let's lift up one another's loved ones because we got so many out there that are drifting. Amen. All right. Well, I haven't said that. Praise God, shame on the devil, and let's pray and let's eat. All right? Let's do that. Brother Richard, why don't you pray for the food? Thank you, Father. We just pray for the food now. Father, we thank you for just providing for us in special ways, Father, that we can. Father, continue to prepare us, heart and mind, for meeting you very soon, Father. Father, we just lift up prayer requests, Lord, and we know what they are. People are hurting and people are traveling and things like that. We just lift them up to you in a very special way. Father, bless the time that Jesus is